Well, once again, good morning. Um, I should be a little bit more put together here. Uh, it's one benefit of coming to the second service. Um, I dumped everything out on this, uh, the, this podium during first service, so I shouldn't have to do that again. Um, but I will ask you to bear with me. I, I'm, I'm kind of dealing with a little cough right now, so I will do my best not to deafen you, but um, it's awesome to be here with you here today. And if you, uh, maybe you're new or maybe you missed it, um, Pastor Kevin, this is his, his first week of his sabbatical. So for the next uh, seven or so weeks, you are stuck with me, and um, I'll be calling on a, a couple others to, to jump in and who are going to share with us as well, which we're excited about, um, but I'm glad that you are here this morning. I'm glad for the opportunity um, that, that Pastor Kevin has to go on that sabbatical. I'll try not to be too jealous as he's golfing and traveling and, you know, all that fun stuff. But today we're starting a new series called Winning the War in Your Mind. And uh, this series, <laughs> before we get too far, it's based off of a book and subsequent sermon series by a pastor named Craig Groeschel. He's a pastor of Life Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. And I wanted to put that out there. So if you ever saw any of his material and, and you're like, wait a second, he stole that from Pastor Ben. It's not, that's not the case. Um, I didn't steal it from him either. Um, but I, I listened to this series of messages the other day and I, I thought to myself, just knowing what, what I go through, what I deal with in my own life, that there's gotta be people who are experiencing this as well. And so my goal is to encourage you to pull out some of what he highlights and to work in some more truths from scripture that we, that we find, but we're looking at the mind. It's all about the mind. I'm not, uh, I'm not a doctor. I know very little about the mind, but we're gonna learn some things this month. And the mind is a strange place. Think about it. It's where your most personal thoughts, successes, doubts, fears, anxieties, hopes, and dreams all lie. And for the most part, it's a very, very private, Right? Your spouse might have a different view into your mind than anybody else. But for the most part, it's, it's kind of you and God know what's going on up there. And um, some, of our, some of our minds are a little bit more jumbled than others. You know, um, there's a little bit more going on. It's more of the spaghetti, you know, type syndrome. Um, but it's a confusing thing. And, and we don't know what to do with some of what takes place in our minds. It's uniquely personal to us. It's something you can lose. You can lose your mind, you know? Um, it's something that can play tricks on you. It's not to be trusted at times. Um, I mentioned uh, in first service, sometimes if I'm working on like a design for like a slide or something like that, if I look at the same word for about five minutes, I have no idea whether or not that word is actually spelt correct. You, your brain plays this trick on you, so try it sometime. Look at the same word, look at something, and, and don't change your focus, and pretty soon you will have no idea how to spell the word help, I promise, okay? So the mind is a strange place. It, it plays tricks on us. Some of you... Um, uh, our, you might be in our church online Facebook group and uh, I posted about this the other day, but Pastor Kevin and I had an awesome opportunity along with a friend of ours here from Silver Creek, um, Sam Galvin, to go to the east end of the Upper, upper Peninsula on Friday and um, jump on a fishing charter. 
And it's not just any fishing charter because it's, it's owned by some friends of ours who are actually part of Silver Creek. They, are, uh, they live in Cedarville. They're part of our church online family. They're online every single week. I got to say hi to Carrie through the camera this morning as she was on. And they took us out um, fishing and we were on Lake Huron. I had never been uh, fishing on Lake Huron. And we were fishing for uh, salmon and lake trout and things like that. And so um, it was just a lot of fun. Now, I am not used to experiences like that. I'm used to, if I'm doing something like fishing or if I'm hunting or if I'm something like that, the effort all comes like from me or like a group of me and my dad or whoever it might be. So being on a, on a, a trip like that where they tell you just sit and wait is kind of weird. You feel like you're, you're being lazy. And literally, they want you to sit there, have fun until they hand you a pole. And so like, some people might think that's kind of cheating, but hey, it works great for somebody like me. Um, But I wanted to be part of what was going on. And so um, I wasn't gonna screw up the lines because I would have screwed up, you know, lines, but I started to try to identify when there was a fish on. And I realized very quickly that um, there were some some poles to avoid when trying to tell that. The, the ones with your, your planer boards that get the lines way out from the boat, don't look at those because those are always just going like this. And when a fish is on there, you'll hear it. It goes, you know, you're, you're ready. So I would shift my focus to the back of the, the boat. And pretty soon I began to tell the difference between what was just the drag of the lure or the, um, the downrigger and what was a fish. And so I started to feel a little confidence. And a couple times, I was the first one to see that there was a fish on. And I remember Carrie even mentioned, she's like, oh, good job. And I'm like, yeah, yes, I am part of this. And um, the problem was, eventually, I'm watching. I've had this experience, and I'm watching, and my brain is like, well, that has to be a fish. No, eh." you know, you kind of go back and forth, back and forth. And more than once, confidently, I just declared fish. And then poor Sam had to reel in a lure because there was nothing on there. Your brain starts to mess with you a lot of times when you focus on the same thing for too long. And uh, it just does some funny things. We're looking at winning this war in our mind. And before we can win a war in our mind, we have to identify that there is, in fact, a war going on. So, just by a show of hands, would you say that you can understand the concept that there is a war going on up here, right? We can, I think it's safe to say that we can all identify it. Now, it's going to be different for each and every person. Your war isn't going to be my war, isn't going to be Pete's war, isn't going to be X, Y, right? It's, it's different for each and every one of us. And that's part of the problem because it makes us feel kind of secluded. It makes us feel like we're sort of alone in that. I think it's easy to, to think that we're the only one that struggles with what we struggle with and that could not be further from the truth. And so we, we have to acknowledge that there's a war going on in our mind. There's a battle for the most personal space that you and I have as humans. And the first step to winning that war is to realize that you're in the midst of one. So if there is a war going on in our minds, what does it look like? And again, it's different for everyone. It could be thoughts of faith versus fear. That, that could be the war is for having faith or giving into fear. It could be thoughts of trusting God or wanting control or trusting God in these areas, but not in the area of finances or my health or X, Y, or Z. 
It could be in the area of confidence versus insecurity. That's a big one. I think that, that people really fight that. It can be peace versus anxiety. There can be a struggle there. And I think that we all can very quickly identify a battle that takes place in our minds. And it's a challenge. We feel secluded. We feel alone in it. It's, it's treacherous. We don't know how to navigate it. And so I want to encourage you. I want to provide some, some scripture to, to help us navigate those, those, uh, those wars that are going on. And, and a battle can change back and forth in an instant. One side gains ground, one side loses it, can kind of go back and forth and it can leave us scrambling for an answer. One second, we can see God at work in our lives. We're full of faith, we're full of trust, we're full of gratitude and the very next moment, you find yourself feeling like Job and you're literally cursing the day that you were born. I mean, think of that, the polar opposites in that. The war in our minds this was just maybe for my sake, uh, can change quick, more quickly than a three-year-old who's overtired, overstimulated, and a little hungry can change their mind. I mean, it happened. It is a, Ashley knows what I'm talking about. Um, it is on a dime. Ground is given up, ground is taken back. And what happens is it leaves our mind a battlefield. Battlefields are messy, right? There is, there is not, not much going on on a battlefield that is good. And that's what can happen. That's what we can feel like. There's a fight for what's going, <coughs> what's going on up there. And I want you to take this away uh, today. The majority of life's battles are won or lost in our minds. The majority, not all of them, because there's some that aren't, but the majority of battles in life are lost or won in our minds. The internal battle that we have affects us all differently. And again, like we talked about earlier, everyone goes through it. Even Paul the Apostle, he had, he had struggles that he dealt with. In Romans 7, 19 through 20, it's like, a, <coughs> this is Paul's tongue twister. He writes, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. He says, I know that I want to glorify God, but I also know that there's times where I just can't and I don't. And so he has this struggle. We've all had that same struggle, but it, it shows us that no one is beyond this kind of war in their minds. So we need a little bit of encouragement today. And in 2 Corinthians 10, three through five, it says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Pastor Kevin has touched on this word stronghold before. And it's a military term. And it's thought that it's referencing a military base at times with walls that are up to 20 feet thick. Think about that, 20 feet thick. You have to have something really important if you are gonna build a 20 foot wall. And scripture says that, that we can demolish those strongholds. And I believe that what we see in scripture and what we're talking about here today is that Satan wants to create a stronghold in our minds 
of that fear, of that doubt, of that insecurity, of that lie. He wants to bury it so deep in our own mind that we cannot access it whatsoever, but it's there. It's there. And he wants us to dwell in that place because he wants to tear us down. He wants to lock that lie so deep that we can't get to it. I don't know if anyone in here has seen the movie Inception, but that was all I could think of is like the whole premise of the movie was planting a thought in another person's mind. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to plant that fear in our hearts, in our minds, so deep that we can't do anything with it. So the war in our mind is accompanied by, accompanied by some different thoughts. So I want you just to think of these and think, maybe make a mental check mark when you come across one that you've had before. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'll never be a good mom. I'm not pretty enough. I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a screw up. I'm just a kid. I'm unqualified. My sin is too big to be used by God. I'm unlovable. I definitely can't trust anyone. I'll always be broke. God doesn't hear me when I pray. I'll always be stuck in a bad marriage. These lies and lies like them are at the foundation of the war in our minds. Those are the things that Satan wants to lock in that stronghold to just live rent-free. That's his goal. That is his goal. He wants us to buy into them. He wants us to believe them. And he wants us to make them a reality in our lives. That's his goal because he can't actually make those things happen. But we have the power to do that. And the weird thing and the discouraging thing and sometimes the hard thing with this is all of those things have an element of truth to them. An element. They're not truthful, I would say, as a whole, but they have an element of truth. I'm not good enough on my own, right? I am unqualified, which is why God equips me. My sin is too big to be dealt on my own. That's why Jesus came, right? So there's a portion of those statements that are true, but that's all that Satan wants us to focus on. And uh, he wants to shape our thinking until we become a prisoner of that deception. And just as a reminder, John 10, 10, A, the thief, Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to, to kill your future. He wants to do all of those things, and he wants to do it starting right here. But like we read earlier, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, it says that we, as Christ followers, with the help of, of God, we can demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So this is what I, another thing I want you to take away from here this morning. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but when I read that, it made total sense. Total sense. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, whether good or negative. Satan is fighting for navigational control over your life, and he chooses to target our minds to be able to do that. In the New King James Version of uh, Proverbs 23, 7, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. What we think is what we become. 
It may not be who we are, but what we dwell on, what we allow to sit in our most personal private space of who we are, eventually that comes out in our lives. The thoughts we think determine who we will become. If you think you can't, you probably won't. But if you think that you can, with God's help, you will. There's a difference. We have to add God to the formula to be able to make it happen. If we dwell on the bad, just our shortcomings or troubles, we're going to be overwhelmed. We're gonna deal with anxiety. We're gonna find ourselves looking at the water like Peter did rather than on Jesus. But if we look for the good and for God, we'll start to see solutions that we didn't know existed. If we take a position of victimhood, we're gonna always be a victim. But if we believe that we can overcome with God, we'll be an overcomer. And that's a big, that's a big difference between those two things. I love this quote by Pastor Craig Rochelle. He said, if your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? And it feels like when you first read that, it feels like almost like blaming, like, like it's your fault. And that's not the case. But we have to equip ourselves to redirect our focus from the lies, from the, the deceptions that Satan has so that we can change that. So firstly, I have two things I just wanna to touch on very quickly. First thing that we have to do is we have to identify the biggest stronghold holding us back. There's, there's something, there's something for each and every one of us that will hold us back. Some of it is just the way that we are as a human. It's a tendency, it's a, um, something that we gravitate towards. But Satan is no dummy. He, he, he can figure that out. And so he is going to push that button all day, every day, and twice on Sundays. That's what's gonna happen. We should not be surprised about that. And so we have to identify that stronghold. What thought or what stronghold is holding us back? My past is too bad. I'm not good enough. I can't trust anyone I'm always gonna struggle with my health. I'll never have a fulfilling job. I'll always be alone. Or maybe it's more than just a single thought, but a type of thought. Maybe it's thoughts of insecurity. Maybe it's lustful thoughts. Maybe it's deep anger or unforgiveness that just kind of everything is filtered through. We have to identify it before we can do something about it. (coughs) There's a lot of science that goes into this, but the more often you think a thought, the easier it is to think it again, right? The more often you think a thought, the easier it is to do again. I was trying to come up with an illustration about what this looks like because it talks about neural pathways being created in our mind when we have a thought. A new pathway is created and the more we think it, the bigger and easier that gets to be on. And I was thinking about the mountain bike trails around Marquette. If you go out towards a ski hill, you'll just see these crazy winding little skinny trails. And, and those, are, those are impressive. And they don't just happen overnight. Some crazy person, um, presumably, had to be like, hey, see those seven trees? I'm gonna weave around them and um, then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna do it tomorrow. Um, but that's how those are formed. Like one person does it and then they do it again and then they do it again and then they invite a friend and then pretty soon that path is formed. It's the same 
thing that the more we think of thought, the easier it is to think that thought. And it doesn't matter whether it's a positive thought, a God honoring thought or a negative one that's gonna just keep us in our own heart and mind. The thoughts we think, they're doing the exact same thing. So are we excited about the direction that our thoughts are taking us? There are times I am not excited about the direction that my thoughts are taking me. And I think that's human nature. But we have to be able to assess and see what's going on. If you hear and you believe a lie for long enough, um, pretty soon, or you're not gonna just believe it to be true, but eventually you start to act as though it is true. So think of that, you change who you are based on something that actually is not true. And that's ultimately what Satan wants to do in our lives. Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God calls us to restore our minds and to do so with his help. That's what he wants for each and every one of us. He wants us to be able to make sense of this chaos. So we have to identify what is the biggest stronghold in our lives. Greed, pride, fear, anxiety, laziness, being critical, which is one of mine. Unable to trust, toxic thoughts, doubt. So what I want you to do over the next couple seconds, identify that stronghold. Identify that area in your life that Satan wants to trap so deep in your mind that you cannot escape it. Think about it for a second. Chances are you've had it in the back of your mind since the beginning of the, the message. And so what I want, I want to do is I want you to name it. We're not going to say it out loud, but we're going to, at the same time, we're going to say what that stronghold is internally because we have to, if we have hopes of defeating something, we have to acknowledge that it exists. You can't defeat an enemy that you're unwilling to admit is there. So it's cheesy, I'm gonna count to three. Say that, that stronghold, that, that thing in your mind um, and it'll kinda fuel us for the rest of the day. One, two, three. You can't defeat an unknown, uh, an unknown enemy, you have to identify it. So now that we know what the stronghold in our lives is, that leads us to number two. We have to replace that lie with its truth. Because every lie, there's a truth. And every truth, there's a lie. It goes both ways. So if we identify what it is, we have to replace it. So I began thinking to myself like about ridiculous kind of silly lies, you know, deceptions, um, the best are come from kids usually, you know. Um, but I thought of kind of a silly one, so bear with me. But it made me feel pretty foolish after it happened. Um, one time during college, my roommate, <clears throat> my roommate and I came back to our apartment, and we um, it became evident very quickly that our apartment had been broken into. And it's not how you might think. Um, nothing was missing. There was no legitimate like damage done, but instead it looked like that scene from Elf where Buddy the Elf stays up all night and decorates gimbals. Christmas vomited all over our apartment. I mean, there was Santa's workshop, there were the reindeer, there were Christmas colored like paper chains everywhere. It was just, it was everywhere. It was like, might have been worse than getting robbed. I don't know. Um, 
But it was one of those things where you, in your mind, you kind of, you think you know who did it, but you're not really sure how it happened. And um, what I found out later is about two weeks prior to this, two of our friends who lived upstairs on us, uh, another floor, um, th- they had texted me one day and asked if I would go with them to Home Depot. And I didn't think anything of it. Um, and I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't know if they literally just wanted me to go with them or, I mean, it was, it was two girls, so maybe they're like, we don't know our way around Home Depot, which either did I. But, um, so I went, and um, what had happened was on the way there, somehow they conned me into driving, so I drove myself there. On our way there, I stopped for gas, and while I was pumping gas, they stole my apartment key off of my car keys. Since then, I've never left my car keys in my car for any period of time. Um, but they stole my apartment key, and while at Home Depot, they made a copy of my key so they could just walk in the front door and, you know, so I felt pretty dumb. Um, and you might be asking yourself, Pastor Ben, how dumb are you? How could you fall for that? Um, because it was a series of lies. And it turns out I ended up marrying one of those girls. So um, I think I was taken advantage of um, in that time. But we fall for these far-fetched lies at times and we have to be able to replace them with God's truth. And I'm gonna try to move quickly here as we get towards the end of our time together. But the truth that defeats the lie at the center of the war in our minds is Jesus. Every time, if you boil it down to one word, it's Jesus. John 8, 32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's freedom John 14, six, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. The truth may seem different for every lie that we experience, every stronghold that's at play, but Jesus is at the center of (coughs) each of them. The word of God dispels every lie of the enemy. And it's where we find the truth to replace the lie that we're given. So I wanna run down these really, really fast because I have some examples. Maybe you feel like you can't do it all. You'll never be able to fulfill all the obligations on you. You'll never be able to live up to your responsibilities. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Maybe you struggle with feeling like you'll never be attractive enough or that's just an area that you're you're not happy with. Psalm 139.14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. Maybe you feel like you're always gonna be miserable or struggle with depression. Nehemiah 8.10 says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Maybe you feel like you'll always be alone. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe you feel like you'll always be a victim Revelation 12, 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's easy to feel weak, like there's nothing you can do about it. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, for when I am weak, I am strong. Paul is reminding us that at his weakest, when he has the least that he can do on his own, that's when he has to rely on God the most. Therefore, that makes him the strongest. The worship team is gonna come here in just a second, they're on their way up and we're gonna go back into that last song because as we just touched on, 
The answer is Jesus. The answer to that war in our mind is more of him. It's the ability to replace the lie with the truth from his word. And so I was thinking during that song, uh, I did something that I promised I would never do. And I, I made a change to the service order during worship because I just, those words struck me where it says, I just want you, nothing else. I just want you. Because we try to fix, we try to deal with the war in our mind. We try to drown it out with just a bunch of garbage. It could be television. It could be alcohol. It could be X, Y, or Z. We try to deal with it. And the answer actually is just Jesus. And so I want us to spend some time going back into worship for just a few moments and focus on just him. What we feed comes out. If we're feeding into the lies, if we're not actively involved in the war in our own mind, the lies will come out in our lives. Those lies will ruin relationships. They'll tear apart our confidence. They'll keep us secluded and vulnerable. And they will position us in a place where we will continue to be victim to them. And just as I close here, I love this, another quote from Craig, Pastor Craig. He says, you cannot have a positive, faith-filled life with a negative, fear-filled mind. What you dwell on comes out. And so we've talked about how to identify and then replace, but we, act, we have to put that in, into practice as well. There's, there's an action step and I'm thankful that Jesus is waiting to be brought in, right? Put me in, coach. He's literally waiting for that invitation. And so in just a moment, we're gonna give you the opportunity to make that invitation. We talked about what we're gonna do. We're gonna capture those lies. When you have that thought, when that direction crosses your mind, even though there's nothing that you can necessarily do in that moment, what you do is you capture it. It sounds silly, but you capture it and you give it over to God because that lie, that deception, that stronghold is nothing for him. It's a lot for us. But I promise you that when you do that, when that's your first reaction, don't think it again, don't entertain it, don't allow it to be justified in your heart. When you turn it over to God immediately, you're gonna see something really, really cool happen. That guilt, that oppression, that shame that you normally would feel all of a sudden isn't there. You're gonna realize that there's an element of freedom that comes with doing that. In Luke 4.18, this is Jesus talking, and this, this shows what he can do and why Jesus is the answer. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Not only did he do that through his death on the cross, but he wants to do that in our lives. He wants to do that in our mind. He wants to give us the freedom that we can't achieve on our own. Jesus is the key to winning the war in our mind. So right now we're gonna go back into that song just for a few moments. And I want you to think about that stronghold that you identified earlier and then work to replace it with truth. And maybe you don't have the perfect scripture for it right now, but that's okay. 
Replacing it with Jesus is really what it's all about. And what I promise you is if you're doing that and you're, you're, you're true in, in what you're doing, you may not realize it, but at some point, God is going to speak his word to you and he's going to confirm that transaction, right? And there's power when that happens. There's power when we turn it over to God. So as we do that, as the team, as the team leads us, I would invite you to stand with us. And if you, if you just, if you want someone to encourage you, if you want prayer this morning, I would invite you just come up to the front. Somebody will, will join you. We just want to love on you. Um, and uh, we'll close in just a few moments after we uh, sing. So Nikki, would you lead us? I've got a little bad news for you. I didn't think about this first sermon, first service, but you're going to get to put this into action probably quicker than you think. Because the truth is, when you walk outside of the doors, Satan's going to want to take back the ground that he's lost. So you have to be prepared for that. You know, I said earlier, I struggle with being critical, but it also gives me the ability to just expect when Satan is going to do something because why should we be surprised that when we're closer to God, he has to fight more for what he wants. So as you go this week, keep those truths, keep those steps in your mind. And I, I encourage the first service to do this. This might feel a little uncomfortable. Find someone that you know loves Jesus and talk to them about that stronghold. Talk to them about what you identified in your life and bring them into your world. It's very vulnerable. Accountability, <laughs> accountability is not easy. But I promise you, if you have somebody, if you have somebody else involved in that process, you're gonna feel like you are just equipped all that more. We know we can go to God, but we but there's there's also something to be said about having a person that has your back in those situations. So I would just challenge you to do that. It's uh, It can be tough, but it's worth it. So I just wanna pray for you as we conclude here. <coughs> Father, I thank you for these people. And I thank you that, God, you give us what we need in life. Now we still have to choose it. We still have to choose to insert your truth into the lie that we bought into. But God, I thank you that it's there. I thank you it's what you desire for us. And I thank you that you're literally sitting there waiting. You're waiting for us to involve you in the part of our, our life that tears us up the most. And God, I have to imagine that it breaks your heart when we try to tackle it on our own. And so I pray that today and in the days to come, we would be challenged, that I would be challenged to, to insert you in to the place of the lie the enemy wants me to buy into, that you would demolish that <coughs> stronghold. Instead, God, I ask that you would create strongholds in our heart to house the truth of your word so that Satan can't even get into our mind to begin with. And God, I pray that we would rely on the power of your word to combat everything that the enemy wants to do in our lives. I pray that you would embolden us that, 
God, you would just give us your peace, your joy going forth from this place. We love you and we thank you for what you're doing here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, what a great day. Thank you for being here. We pray that you have an awesome week. Go grab some coffee, chat with a couple people. We love you. Have an awesome week.